It's the Brew Ha Ha Podcast with Steve Jackson and Mark Carpenter. Brew Ha Ha. Mark Carpenter, of course, and her Linda is back from Portugal. Portugal, yes. Um, Coimbra. And, oh, actually in Brooklyn, too. You've been doing this for seven, eight years. Will you stay on your microphone? I know. Please? I Thank just, you. I just wanted to look at you and say hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, thanks. It's uh, nice to have her back in the house, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the traveling vagabond. Yes, yes. But she, the beauty is she brings beer. Yeah. So I that keeps Well, that's happy. all you care about. That's it. And we've got some Portuguese beers. What... I brought three Portuguese beers uh, back with me. And uh, so we'll be tasting those, too. All right. Well, our special guest today is the one and only, my old friend, Norman Greenbaum, Mike Hit It. Oh, he's not ready to hit it, is he? <laughs> Are you ready to hit it? There you go. All right. Wait, let's listen to this first. Let's just... Norman Greenbaum, a longtime Sonoma County resident, back with us. Man, I haven't seen you in a while. How are yeah, you, sir? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> you haven't been in our new studio until today. I have. Remember the old funky studio? Yes, old funky. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good beer, too. <laughs> All right. Well, I, oh, yeah, old funky beer. Let's talk about that song. Uh, you. It's. Aren't you still surprised? We've talked about this at uh, John Barleycorns, I think, years ago. Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah. Uh, what does it still blow you away that it is such a major deal and is in movies and commercials and everything? It's everywhere. Uh, it's like it took on, on its own life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just continues. Uh, you know. A band person, a writer, a singer, player. I mean, you want to have a hit record. And before you even get to your second uh, attempt, you're going, wow, I've made it. You know, and you don't really <laughs> care what's going to happen after that because you made the charts. Everyone loves you. <laughs> and and that's why there's so many one-hit wonders, which mm-hmm. I sort of became. But, yes, but uh, over the uh, all these years, it's not you can't say Norman Greenbaum is a one-hit wonder. Not anymore, and uh, <laughs> it's breaking records. <laughs> yeah, is that, a, is that a silly thing to say? Uh, no, it's true, man. I mean, I broke vinyl. <laughs> what was the uh, it, uh, Apollo Eleven? It was in there, right? It was in it that was movie. Apollo Thirteen. I think. I don't was know. that it? Uh, it it's been in over sixty movies. 60. Yeah, and it's been almost in, I'd say, at least a couple dozen commercials. Yeah. and uh, the, In fact, it's even uh, some um, uh, 
Funeral homes use it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> we shouldn't laugh, but uh, no, I no. Like, but I like it's, it though. I think it's it does. It does have humor to it. Yeah. Well, when I croak, make sure you guys play that. No problem. Yeah. Um, so the Super Bowl spot. Mm-hmm. It was Budweiser, right? The Super Bowl was this past Audi. Super Bowl. Audi. Audi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there, the one of the reasons why, actually, the, the main reason why I asked. You know, because people are like, why do you have a musician on the beer show today? Because Norm's song, uh, Spirit in the Sky, was in the Budweiser Discovery Reserve American Red Lager beer ad. And that beer was brewed to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing in 1969. And... It's just coincidence you said that your song came out in 1969 because it had nothing to do with the moon landing, right? But um, the uh, the beer itself, though, what's also cool is that they did donations from that sales of that beer to uh, families were of military families for scholarships. And the beer is brewed by a woman. Her name is Carissa, and I'm blanking in her last name. But she is a retired uh, U.S. Air Force captain. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. Well, yeah. Um, I did not know any of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, there, there's the 50th year anniversary the, this year and la- last next year. It's big it's for a lot of things man. that happened. Where did you record that? San Francisco. That's what I thought. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you've been living in Sonoma County since, since ever. Six, since 69. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. But what was the song originally about? What do you mean? Well, well just like you hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like... It's the same words. Well, I asked... That's kind of a weird question. I'm younger than you guys, so yeah. I... Who isn't? <laughs> but, so, I told him, I said, okay, I've, al- I've always known the song. The song's always been around my life, but... You know, it, you know, it seems like totally perfect. They, they put it about, you know, with the NASA and the moon landing and spirit in the sky... But it wasn't any, and it came out in 1969, the same year as the moon landing, but they had nothing to do with each other. It did not. It all had to do with um, Western movies where the bad guy wanted to be buried with his shoes on. So I'm going, he wants to go up there. His boots on. (laughs) And then, uh, even though he was a bad guy, it still believed yeah. Underneath all the crap, yeah. and then uh, the Hopi Indians, of course, they were—that was their thing, the spirit in the sky. And so I filed that one away. And then I was listening to Porter Wagoner, and he would always do a religious song uh, halfway through a show, and, I, and he wrote one about the miner who came down with his mule. I guess he was getting old, and he thought he was going to go. A gold miner? Yeah, gold miner, and, you know, he hadn't been to church most of his life. And uh, when he got to the church, there was a little sign that said, the preacher's on vacation. And I go, oh, that's that's just killer. <laughs> I was like, i got to get into this. You know, i got to come in three ways. And so that's really how it how, how it came to be. Who were the girls in the backup? Because they're, they're spectacular. They were called the Stovall Sisters, and they were from Oakland. And uh, they they grew up singing in one of the churches there. Oh, cool. And we found them. We were looking for backup singers. They hap- we happened to find them, and they were terrific. Yeah. It, it's... <laughs> 
I don't know. It's such a classic. Mark Carpenter started at uh, Anchor Brewing in San Francisco in 71. Uh, this came out in 69. Yep, so yep. you you were totally aware of this. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I was in San Francisco, grew up in that environment, you know, that was going on. It was wonderful, wonderful times. Um I'm a beer guy, but this uh, this song is, you know, it's not just, yeah. it's such a big hit. I mean, it's not a one-hit wonder. It's just an unbelievable song that I don't think I've ever heard of anybody not liking it. And it's got so much involved in it. I, just before we went on the air, I said the great backup singers and then the guitar rift at the beginning. I mean, you just can't beat it. And that's you know? Norman on the fuzz box there, right? Yeah. I'll throw in a real funny one. Uh, it was covered. It won't take long. Uh, it was covered by Doctor and the Medics uh, from England, and it became a big hit again, number one everywhere in Europe. And uh, I got to be friends with him, and he says it's really interesting what things we have in common, because when you started, meaning me, I was Doctor West. And the medicine show in yeah, Junk Band. That's right. And, and he was doctor and the medics, and his wife's uh, maiden name was West. Really? There you go. You Synchronicity, my friend. Yeah. So th- those little stories go on and on. Wow. Uh, Mike, get uh, Dr. West in the... You got it? All right. Let's play some of this. I, I, I love these guys. Now, Norman, that that was Doctor and the Medics. Doctor and the Medics from England. Right. Oh, and they painted their faces just like uh, I did when I was Doctor West. Wow. So you started that before Kiss did, then? (laughs) Oh yeah. No, no, really, we did. His tongue's not as big as that guy, but uh, no, she was. I've seen it. Not. uh, No, never mind. Get your heads out of the gunner. Uh, Wow. It's so cool. Uh, let's segue to uh, Herlinda just back from Portugal. This Portuguese Pedro APA, what is this? Portuguese Pedro uh, is an American pale ale. That's what the APA stands for. And it's from Praxis Brewery in Coimbra, Portugal, that I went to after I judged um, the Iberian Beer Awards in Aveiro, Portugal, which is a fabulous little town. And then uh, Brad Krauss is another brewer, um, and I went over to Coimbra, which has the oldest university in the Western world. And it is a stunning town. The university has a chapel from the 1100s. It's inside of an old wow. palace. It's, in, it's incredible. And then the city is known for really good water. So Praxis was started in 1922, right next to the city water like supply building, because of this great water. So the brewery and the city water, they kind of like worked together for a long time. And then it kind of went, it was going downhill a little bit. And then uh, the Praxis family, um, the they actually um, are like the family that, start, that started, the youngsters came back in and revived it. And they're doing a whole brewery with it and experience and a restaurant. So I tasted this. I love it. Mark? Yes, it's a and it, it's another great example of Europeans doing American style beers. It's a great American style pale ale. 
Um, Lower on hops than an American pale ale normally well, would be, yeah. Correct. Because they don't get the fresh hops as well. But and it's, it's 6%. Yes. Which is reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. And, uh, no, and it's, it's a great beer, a nice pale beer and, mm-hmm. and uh, with some good hoppiness. It's a classic American pale ale. I really liked it. Yeah, now, it's good. this other one I don't like quite as much, but it's fascinating. What is yep. this? That's a double buck, and uh, I'll let Herlinda tell us from where, but it's uh, 8.5%. Uh, it's got a lot of dark roasted malt in it, uh, I can tell, and a little bit of sweetness uh, at the end. Um, but uh, it's it's a good beer if you want to tie one on. It's from Vida Brewery in um, outside of Aveto near uh, near actually near Porto, and uh, it's funny because Vida it's V A I D A. I didn't know when I got there, but my friend who speaks Portuguese like um, from her mom was like, "Oh my gosh, that means like loose woman, you know, like like <laughs> like you know like slutty, you know." And I'm like, "Uh oh," <laughs> like well. So, the other bottle I brought. So, they they have a big restaurant and then they have concerts and stuff there. It's pretty fun. Um, I brought this bottle. Just a little controversial here. So, if you look at the bottle, it's got the shape of a woman on there. And like in America now, because they they asked me to come and talk to some male brewers about women in brewing in America. You know, I'm not a brewer, but I mean, you know, obviously, I'm in you know media and the news and journalism, but. Um, is what they consider um, there. And they asked me to talk about how discrimination and sexual harassment with women that, and in the beer industry to this group of male brewers at, the, at Vita Brewery. And I was like, that's funny because this is, this is the, that's the symbol of their brewery is this shapely outline of a woman. And which what, would not go over well in America anymore. What does Vadia mean? Slut. Slut? Yeah. Slut beer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Open that sucker. I gotta taste that. So hey. I told them. Sounds I, like a red fox line. It would, <laughs> doesn't it? It would be popular with American One of those party records, right. from red fox. Yeah. yeah, it means like loose woman, like kind of. And so they they had invited some women to come to this talk that I and they asked me to talk about this, and only men had showed up. And my friend Gonzalo said, oh, you know, I guess you don't have to talk about this since there's no women here. And I said, well, that would be preaching to the choir. I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about this. I said, you males are the ones who need to hear this. Sexual harassment, sexual discrimination in jobs has to start with the men anyway. When you hear someone talking about your coworker in a way that they shouldn't, you know, if you if your daughter put down a tray of beers and somebody said something inappropriate, you'd say something, wouldn't you? And they were like, yeah. And I said, well, then you should say the same thing when a f- female coworker or the waitress or someone is talked about. Badly. Did they seem to grasp that? They, they were in shock at first, but then <laughs> they're so family-oriented in Portugal when I used yeah. the daughter or the mother, you know, kind of way of, like, analogy. They got it. And I said, it has to stop start with the men. And that's that's when sexual harassment will start um, will stop is when men actually help help say something and stop it. So. My old friend Norman Greenbaum is in the studio with uh, Benita. Ah, good to see you, Dave. And here's your slutty beer. Yeah, let me try the slut. <laughs> Jeez, uh, Norman, you were born in Massachusetts uh-huh. and you grew up there, right? I did. Yeah. How yeah, did in the you Boston wind, area. Okay, how did you wind up in Sonoma County and uh, the Bay Area? 
Well, I, I started playing music in the Boston uh, folk music scene years ago. And, the, you know, the circuit back then was uh, college towns sure. where, there, where there were places like that. And, we're talking the 60s. Yeah. And uh, the closest big uh, recording city was New York. Right. But I didn't like New York. I, I didn't like the fact. I, I don't like tall buildings. So, I, and I, I had some friends that had gone to Hollywood and came back and said, uh, you got to think about going there. And at that time, I, you know, like everyone else, I'm listening to the Beach Boys. And I go, okay, you know, I, wa- I want to go. And, so and that was the heart up. of the music industry then, out west, not San Francisco. Uh, other than New York, yeah. And uh, so when I got there, I met some people by hanging around and, you know, the coffee scene there, too. And we put a band together. And that was Dr. West's medicine show and junk band. And uh, we were a little crazy, but... Uh, we got signed almost immediately. Nice. What was the, we the big song that I'm, I, I'm, I'm too old to the remember? The Eggplant That Ate Chicago. The Eggplant That Ate Chicago. <laughs> were they, what beers were you guys drinking on tour back then? I'm kind of interested in that. Like, what were the beers around? Like, when you went to a tour, and what was backstage for you? Like, you know, or when you went to, like, sing a song on stage? And Did you go to, like, an American bandstand or any of that kind of stuff? Well, uh, Dick Clark didn't serve beer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was Budweiser. Yeah? Yeah. Well, then that's fitting that you ended up in the... That was your first beer ad was was this uh, Discovery Reserve beer with Budweiser, right? Yeah. For, for your song. Uh, the thing with commercials is once you have one product, it's, it's mostly unlike... I mean, it's most unlikely you'll get another product of the same. Mm-hmm. But you've been in other car ads before, though, too, right? Your songs have... We did. We had a Toyota ad, I think. Um, it, the the yeah. song has been on every damn commercial and <laughs> most of the movies. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, it, it actually is. And as you asked before, I am flabbergasted. And uh, and I thank the spirit in the sky for taking wow. such good care of me. Uh, right on. You know, who would have thought? And, and it's true. Who would have thought? And it's gone through generations of people. Yep. And little kids like it. And, you know, we I, I've been to the restaurants and I'd see a, like a 10-year-old boy at, at the jukebox. And he'd play <laughs> Spirit in the Sky. And so I go, well, what made you play that song? He goes, oh, I saw it in uh, Remember the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. It was my kid's favorite I, I asked song. Norman Greenbaum uh, during a break, uh, do you ever get tired of hearing this? Tell, me, <laughs> tell them what you told me. I never do, because like everybody else, and even though I wrote it, it still sends shivers up my spine. It really does. Uh, the sound of the guitar is still uh, amazing to this date. It's just an amazing sound that we got. Yeah, and everyone Nor- loves that. Norman, the first time you heard it on the radio, that must have been something, huh? Oh, I, ha- I had to hold myself, yes. <laughs> I do that every day. <laughs> you have a story about this Portuguese man. Oh, the Portuguese, yes. He's got a story about this. He's, he's been following Mike, you got to get photos of this yeah. uh, instrument. It's unbelievable. Norman, talk about it. Well, I know that she, she had gone to Portugal, and so I mean, I'm thinking of things what we could talk about today. And... Uh, about 44 years ago, and 
I was living in Petaluma, and I bought this at the flea market up here. Really? For $25. Oh, come on. And it, it was pretty banged up and not, yeah. not usable. Okay. I knew someone in Petaluma who fixed guitars. And so I gave it to him, and uh, he disappeared. Oh, that's okay. And I gave up on fi- trying to find him. Oh, really? 42 years later, he goes to my website, sends me an email, and says, it's fixed. <laughs> <laughs> and Finally. This is it. And uh, we think it was um, made in the 1880s, and it's a viola de terra, and it and it's, uh, originates in uh, Portugal. And it's a very, in, just a really interesting instrument. And I, I thought it'd be neat if Herlinda saw it. It's a bird, bird's eye maple, you were saying, in the back that he restored on it? It's yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Can you play that? It's 12 strings, right? Oh, me? I don't, I don't even want to try. <laughs> I'm, afra- I'm almost afraid to touch it. <laughs> it that is, is one of the most. It's beautiful to look at. Oh, it's you just tune it. unbelievable. Okay. Watch out Plant that ate Chicago. <laughs> Norman laugh. Greenbaum before Spirit in the Sky. Doctor West washed up basin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, the gut bucket. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a big gut bucket guy oh, when yeah, I was no growing kid. up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is this? Is like '66? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then of course '69. Norman does Spirit in the Sky. The eggplant that ate Chicago. I've always loved that. Norman Greenbaum, you're a treasure. You're an icon, and we love you, and it's so good to see you again, buddy. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for the invite. Had a good time. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. What a, what a fun surprise with the Portuguese guitar and everything. You going to the planet Zaytok next week? <laughs> no, I'm actually here for a couple more weeks. We're actually going to have um, Lost Coast Brewing in, which is super fun. Um, that's another woman-owned woman brewer, but it's just killer beer, and they're classic. And um, I'm not leaving again until I go to the beaches of Normandy for the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Of course. We'll talk more about that, too, because your dad and My the dad's whole going veterans. Mark Carpenter, everything good? Everything's great. Okay. I'm alive and well and drinking beer. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> we got to go now. We'll be back. Norman Greenbaum, thank you, buddy. Thanks again, yes.